Hey friends, Brian here. Um, I just wanted to apologize for the audio quality this week. For some reason, I thought I hit the record button on VoiceMeter Banana to record a WAV file that I would convert into an MP3. But uh, either I did and stopped or I didn't. For whatever reason, I had to record the audio from the YouTube um, uh, the YouTube MP4. So it's not as even as it could be, but I hope you still enjoy it. And I thank you for listening to what was ultimately a really fun podcast about Interstellar Rift. Uh, so thanks for listening, you guys, and enjoy the show. Good morning, my friends. Well, morning for us anyway. Uh, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. And joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. And as always, brought to you by Never Enough Caffeine. Oh, God. No, there's not enough. It is 6 a.m. in the morning where Spaz and I are in the Pacific Time Zone because our guests are in the Netherlands, calling from the Netherlands to talk about Interstellar Rift is Jimmy Vandenberg and Alex Immerzale. Welcome, gentlemen. Good morning. Happy to be Good here. Morning. Yeah, yeah. We're happy to so have nice you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We're happy to have you and to talk about your game. So, folks, if you don't know what Interstellar Rift is, it's been in early access for two or three years. Is that about right? Oh, yeah, three years now. Yeah, three, three years. years. Okay, wow. Yeah, time freaking flies. Uh, it's been mm-hmm. in early access for a while. It just hit beta like a month or two ago. Uh, and, yeah, uh, roughly. Yeah, last month. Yeah, yeah, about a month ago. And it is basically, I mean, I'll let you guys describe, but just uh, real quick, it is basically um, you know, a, a, a space adventure game where you have more, like a lot of space adventure games, you have a ship, you do missions, that's really it. But here, there's a bit more uh, like fiddling and managerial stuff with the ship itself. Like you actually have to manage your fuel, you have to actually manage your oxygen and stuff like that. And so the world rewards you accordingly because it knows you have to deal with those things. So, gentlemen, how would you describe your game in, an, in a nutshell, in like an elevator pitch? Because there's a lot to it. There's a lot going um, on here. Yeah, we usually describe it as an open world, like sandbox survival game where you build your own ship and like get your friends as your crew and then just like have adventures. That's like the elevator pitch. But when it comes down to it, it's more like spend a lot of time designing and building and micromanaging everything in your ship, uh, which which I think is the, the strong point of the game. Just the, the feeling of uh, ownership of your ship. And I have to I have to say the nice one of the nice things about the game is that if you don't feel like building and micromanaging the hell out of it, you really don't have to. Um because I don't have the patience. I don't. I personally don't have the patience for it. But so it's nice how like you can easily see how much fuel and stuff you have, and just get the fuel and put it on your ship and not worry about it for a while. Um, if you want, you could like fiddle with everything on your ship. I'm not kidding. Like everything can be fiddled with. Um, yep. But you don't have to, which is nice. Because I find a lot of games that involve building and crafting and stuff. They get a little, 
like they lean too much to me, too much into the crafting, too much into the building where it's, it's so fiddly. It's so like, this is getting in the way of my fun, but you guys, I have to admit, have struck a really nice balance between you're going to have to fiddle a little bit if you want to, but you don't have to fiddle with everything. Like if you just no, get- we also wanted um, if if you look at like you can uh, mine the resources and stuff like that, but you can also get them from missions or just purchase them. We don't want to have like one path to keep doing that same thing over and over again. We want it to be like uh, have multiple paths to to reach the same goal. Exactly, which yeah. is actually really really nice for someone like me who who likes having multiple options and not all and some of them more straightforward. And less like crafty than others. Now, one thing I like about your game too is mining is a bit different. Uh, I've only played a few hours, so I haven't seen if there's like the more traditional mining beam you put on your ship. But I really like how in your game you go on a station and there's a mining station. And it's like, here's an asteroid, click it to mine it, and it beams the asteroid aboard. Then you see like a kind of a surgical thing moving around it and like hoovering the minerals. <laughs> Yeah, out of it, pretty much. Vacuuming the minerals out of it and putting them into these nice canisters for you, which is unlike any other game I've seen when it comes to mining. Really, yeah, we wanted no. uh, we wanted a, a, like kind of a different system, and because a lot of these games, it's often like, okay, we sit in front of an asteroid, fire the beam, sit there for I don't know how many minutes, and then oh, a rock pops out, and there you, there you go, there's your resources. Uh, we kind of wanted to have uh, wanted it to be more along the lines of, okay, we need these resources. Might as well just you know get the thing aboard and then have the machine do it. And then while while it's doing that, you can do something else. Yeah, I really like that. Like in in the video I made, the tutorial has you uh, doing all these things at once, basically, like get all these minerals and refine them and stuff. So like, I'm going to run to the mining thing and have it do this asteroid, then run back to the refiner and have it do these things and then run, run, run. And it, it like, it like makes it more active than I'm used to in games like this, which is great, you know, and it's very straightforward. It's not complicated at all. You guys have done a really impressive job making this easily understandable and very uh, efficient for the player. Thank you. Which, yeah, good. Uh, I was going to say, uh, having explaining the game is one of the, the things we struggle most with. So that's one of the things we've been focusing on for the last, I, I think, year or something. Because yeah. if you had the the early version of the game, it was really hard to figure out how to even play the game. <laughs> I agree. I that I was saying earlier before we started recording, folks. I've only done this one video. There's a preview video on the YouTube channel right now. Uh, that's the only one I've done because when I played the game earlier when it was an alpha, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what anything does. Uh, I have no idea if I'm doing anything right. <laughs> I'm just going to let this sit. And yeah, now you guys have a whole separate tutorial that is about, what, half an hour to an hour long? Basically, that it's teaches long, you. Yeah. yeah, it teaches you just about everything from uh, mining to refining to nav- navigation uh, to transit, to uh, jumping from one system to another, it like teaches you just about everything, which is great. You know, um, really helpful. Yeah, yeah, so helpful. And, and and because there's so much going on in this game, it's it's very important. So that is that is great. 
Um, so, folks, you'll probably be happy to know that you can play the single multiplayer, which is impressive. Um, a lot of games like this only do one or the other well, you know. But from what I've seen, it's the exact same game one way or another. Yeah, we, we try to have it be the same. Um, I believe it's it's like like everything, it's more fun with friends. Um, yeah. But there's, there's, we certainly try to have uh, objectives and goals in the single player that you can set for yourself and achieve those. Yeah, but it's, I, it's not as... What were you going to say? Yeah, and I, I really like the missions um, because I'm I'm primarily oh, yeah. a single player person. And I love missions, and you guys have some some fun. I mean, I've only pretty much done the hauler career so far, um, <laughs> but e- but even those even those missions, like uh, like here's one way I'm gonna we're gonna slag on Elite Dangerous a bit because we always do, um, but one thing I think Elite fails at is not only is the gameplay not very exciting, but getting from one place to another isn't very exciting. It's not very, there's not really not a lot to it and it's not very interesting, but with a game like yours or another game like Thirty Thirty death war, where the transit just getting from one place to another is active and interesting. It makes it a lot more engaging. You know? Yeah. We, uh, actually, we looked at we look at all the space games that come out, and we looked at Elite, right. and um, uh, our space travel is it's kind of similar, but it's like sped up. You don't have to wait until the ship reaches X speed; you just um, hit the button and increase your speed a lot faster. Which is so, great. Yeah, it's. We were thinking about that. Like, do we keep stuff like that? Like in all in most other space sims that have these large travel distances, you have to wait a long time for things, and we just wanted to speed that up. Which I appreciate, but it's also like very active. Like you're taking a very active role in speeding it up and slowing it down, which which I like. Yeah, because you can overshoot your target. Oh, so <laughs> easily. easily, so easily. Um, like in in Elite, like you'll set your throttle and pretty much be done with it. But with this game, uh, folks, the warp is very cool. But with this game, like you hit warp and then you like upshift basically. So you upshift to a, like an optimal speed. And the game will actually tell you, like, you know, you should upshift. You should, it'll show an up air and a down air when you should upshift and downshift, which is really nice. Again, great usability. Um, uh, and so, like, it'll tell you with your ETA, like, you should upshift. And then, like, the ETA is great. Like, has anyone ever actually done an ETA where it's, like, three days and just let it go and see if it takes three days? <laughs> has, any, not. Has, has anyone done that? Because, like, the ETA will tell you it's going to take 140 days to get to your thing or whatever. And then you got to, like, oh, no, up, up, up. Um, there's only one other game that does that kind of thing, and that's um, Rodina. That has a kind of an upshift, downshift uh, mechanic as yeah, well. Yeah, I believe it has, like, three levels or something, right? It yeah, doesn't have- yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you have the one mechanic with multiple shift levels, basically. Whereas Rodina has like the cruise mode and the warp mode and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's really fun because like you'll set your course and there's no autopilot. Is there? I haven't seen one. There isn't an autopilot. Uh, there, there is no autopilot now. Right. Okay. Which I kind of the like. The thing, only thing that kind of resembles that is the fact that if you're flying towards a planet, at maximum warp, uh, the game will automatically start downshifting you to avoid you from flying into the planet. That's really smart. I think I did that the other day because I wasn't sure where uh, 
where the station I was going to was. I wasn't sure if it was on the other side of the planet or not. So I just went and it popped me out of warp. I'm like, oh, I guess I have to go around the planet. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. People have been asking us to actually remove that, though, because they feel like they can do it themselves. And I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, we didn't have it in the game at first, and people would continuously fly themselves into the sun, a planet, like, yeah. Uh, became well, a little bit too dangerous. Yeah, well, I don't know. You could say that's like an in universe safety feature of any game with a warp ship, and just like, oh, sorry, it's just a built in thing. It's a safety mechanism. If, yeah. yeah, that's what we say, but yeah. People think they're more skilled than they probably are. So, <laughs> I don't know. Video game players. Um, <laughs> so, uh, folks, one of the best things I'm going to say about this game is its UI. If, you can, if you're watching on the stream, you'll notice the UI is pretty much entirely in-world, which isn't done very often, um, because I'm sure it's complicated as hell. Um, because you have to render it in world and make it interactive and make it usable from all these different viewing angles and whatnot. Has that, has that been a challenge or is that easier than I'm thinking it is? Um, the biggest challenge is because if you have a thing that renders on a 3d plane instead of on your, yeah, like on your, uh, UI, like normal UIs, the thing is that if you get further away, it gets smaller. And when you get up close, it gets bigger. So the amount of, data you can actually uh, put into the UI is very limited because um, you have to take into account that it's only a part of your screen instead of... And, and also oh. the, the rendering isn't as clean as with uh, like text that's just displayed on, on a square. Oh. So it, it becomes a lot of um, figuring out which things to display and which things not to display or just hide them in different menus and stuff like that because the amount of information you can actually display is very limited. Right. Right, that makes sense. But it, it works. It, it really works. Like, uh, like it could be so clunky to like have to move around or hit alt or whatever. Um, the neat thing is, folks, you can do it in two ways. Like, you could actually look at the button with your view and, and interact with it, or you can just hold down alt and have the mouse only view and it works fine in either, either way, which is really impressive. But, uh, yeah, I can see what you mean. You can't put too much on the screen at once. So there's a decent amount of scrolling, which is, you know, fair, you know, you want everything readable. Um, yeah, so it's totally understandable. Yeah. It's a trade-off we had to make, but we feel like it's way more immersive. It's um, it's a term you don't really want to use for those kind of things, but it's way more immersive if the screens are like in the world and, and you can walk up to them and use them. It feels we want it to be like every screen in the game had to be like, have a functionality. We don't want like buttons on your ship that don't actually do anything. Which I like. And it still takes a bit getting used to because a lot of space games don't do this. So like, there have been times where I've walked up to the beaming pad like, okay, what am I doing? Oh, yeah, the screen is over here. That's what I need to do. Okay, I got to walk up to the screen. Because a lot of games are like, walk up and hit E to interact, and then boom, menu on your thing. And, you know, that's that's much more traditional, which is, you know, fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, your method is, again, um, far more immersive. And it's not a bad word around here because when it works, it's great. It doesn't when it doesn't work. It's like oh god, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I see what you were trying to do there, buddy. But you know, come on. Um, but but uh, but yeah, you guys uh, you guys have made it work, which is which is really impressive. Um, 
So there is a lot going on here. So basically in this game, you can mine, you can haul cargo. There's combat as well. I've not done any of it because I would probably die so fast. Um, <laughs> but there are so far, uh, and I like this. This is also, I think, a new in the beta. There are four career paths you can take when you start a game or when you join a game. Uh yeah, the, they kind of correspond with the play style you want to do. It's something we've been trying to um, see if, if people who want to play a certain way uh, actually go to that play style. But most of the time, most players actually want to play everything. So, so it doesn't really matter where they start off and they'll end up doing everything anyway. But uh, we kind of like use it as an introduction to the game. Like, hey, if you want to fight, use this faction. Or if you want to mine, use this faction. Right, and I like. So that's that. kind of how that those are set up. Yeah, I really like that because I'm I'm in games like this. I'm much more of a I'm usually a cargo hauler or a miner. You know, I much prefer <laughs> games. I much prefer doing that. And so you have one career for each, basically. But you can do mining if you take the hauling career, for example, which is really nice. Um, yeah, it's good that it doesn't lock you in to just one playstyle. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what we did when uh, when we started uh, working on the game. Something we really wanted to make sure of is that you you like you're not locked into one career path or whatever. Like you can t- do anything you want. That's also why the game doesn't really have like player classes because you know you could you could easily like add stuff like oh, okay this uh, if you start this way you're the engineer you can repair you have skills regarding that. We didn't want any of that. We basically wanted the players to be able to switch careers or like switch the way they play anytime they want. So you may start off as a as a miner, but then in the end you might think, oh, I don't really like mining. Uh, why not try combat? And then you, you can just you know, rebuild your ship into a combat ship. Yeah. Also, I think one of the factors there is that if you traditionally in games where you have to pick classes. There's a lot of standing around and waiting for your class to be useful. Like oh, if you're yeah. an engineer and there's nothing broken on the ship, you, you you don't have anything to do. So we didn't want that. We want you to be able to like do everything. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't have to wait for a specific role to become active. Totally fair. Which which I like. Now, um, I've not seen any... I've only got like five or six hours into the game, so I've not seen really any of the crew aspect, but especially in multiplayer, what can a multi... Like, what can different crew members do on a ship? Like, um, is, if, if you get into multiplayer, it's usually very useful to have a crew member uh, mine the, uh, uh, man the mining equipment and one crew member be in the cockpit and scan for asteroids. Uh, so oh. that's like a... Def- a thing we split up, like if you put sensors on your ship, you can see in an asteroid field where the good asteroids are, and you can point the ship towards that, and then someone in the mining hold has to uh, like mine the resources and transfer them around on the ship. And also, if you have uh, turrets on your ship where you can sit in, like uh, those do extra damage, so if you have crew members uh, to fight like the, the tougher AI enemies that are in the game, it's really useful to have people uh, man those turrets and fight for you. Oh, that's pretty great. Because, yeah, like g- games that like have multi-crew can be really, again, hit or miss as to making everyone feel like they have an active role. You know, so that that is really great. Yeah. It's yeah. very hard to get that right from yeah. personal yeah. experience. 
Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. <laughs> we, we feel like it's actually like almost impossible to get it right. So we, we don't attempt to uh, do the crew aspect as in this is mechanics that everybody needs to do, but more like just create enough chaos when you're in a, a battle that everybody has to do something. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Like put people in situations where you need multiple people. On a ship. Yeah. No, that's well, it's great. more efficient. You can also do it on your own, but it takes a while to run all the way across the ship and stuff like that. So, Especially if you have a bigger ship. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of the, one of the, like, I don't know, philosophies, I guess, we started off with. Like, the bigger your ship, the more crew you need. So That, that makes sense. And yeah. In, sing- in single player, you can hire AI crew. Am I remembering that correctly? No, uh, no, no, you can, can only hire uh, protection. You can hire drones oh. to uh, safeguard yeah. your ship. Oh, okay. I saw the crew management thing there, and I, I guess I just assumed. Will that be something you can do in in the future in single player? Uh, AI is something that's really hard for us to do because the I'm... ships are self built. Oh. So we can't take into account what people are going to place anywhere. So the AI would probably just break in most. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't be able to path right. anywhere. Yeah, yeah th- that's that's the issue. On yeah, the pathing would be a real big issue. So that's why oh. we haven't done that. Yeah, we'd we'd love to have it though, but it's it's a really hard problem. And yeah, the, the crew menu you saw is probably just the multiplayer crew menu, um, oh, where you can can give uh, people uh, access to your crew vault and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Well, that that's that's cool, though. I mean, if I guess so, really, if you're playing single player, you're playing single player. Like seriously, <laughs> it is just you, <laughs> which I'm fine with. Um, there's, nah. there's some robots and, and Skrill around, but uh, there, there there's no other NPCs at the moment now. Is that something you're planning to add? Because I noticed the at least with playing single player that the the stations were pretty sparse. Uh, is that something you're planning to add? Like maybe just NPCs walking around, you know, on the stations or something? Uh, or NPC ships? We're not sure yet. If if we do NPCs, we want it to be robots and stuff like that. And oh, NPC okay. ships is something we're, we're looking into. Yeah. But still, it's it's still a pathing issue for us. So we're not sure how, um, because the server is already pretty loaded with calculating all the ship systems and stuff like that. So adding uh, AI oh. on board of the ships on top of that is... A technical issue, right? Because these yeah. systems, these uh, solar, these uh, all the universe is procedural, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, it is. So you have so it's general. right. So you have all those different objects and ships and asteroids and stations. Yeah, I can imagine adding AI to that would be complicated. <laughs> yeah, we we can do a lot of with AI in space, like have things move in space, like drones and and enemies and AI ships, for example. But on board of the ship, it becomes a whole different issue. Now that makes yeah. sense. Maybe you can have like computer assistance. Like you can buy an upgrade to your computer where it can help you more, be more effective at certain things. Maybe something like that. I don't know. I mean, we do have uh, like uh, some automation systems. Oh, good. So, for example, you can buy um, what we call an actor or uh, an automated cargo transfer relay. <laughs> uh, that you can uh, uh, you can insert like cartridges into it and sorry uh, no you put heat sinks into it and it'll automatically teleport cargo around your ship. For example, if you're mining stuff, 
it'll automatically teleport the stuff you're mining from the um, the exit hopper from of the mining uh, mining equipment uh, straight to your cargo bay. Or um, a lot of the devices nowadays they also have uh, a cartridge slot in which you can put an automation cartridge. So these will, for example, if you put a, a automation cartridge into a um, into a mining um, into a, a harvester, it will automatically start uh, automatically teleport the asteroids aboard that have the resources that you tell it to get. Oh my god! <laughs> so you could like make an entire Rube Goldberg machine where like you <laughs> tele- take something from the uh, from the mining equipment, and then it automatically teleports it into the refinery, and then the refinery starts automatically refining the equipment, and then that the stuff from that like teleports back from uh, will be teleported from the exit hopper of the uh, refinery uh, into your cargo bay or straight into your uh, fuel tanks, um, or uh, like you could even like have. Uh, have it uh, do it in such a way that it'll automate if um, you could have it teleport from the refinery into an assembling machine. Assembling machine will then make weapons or ammo, and then the ammo will automatically be teleported into your ammo loaders uh, on your ship. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's... You, could, you can make an entire like machine that way. Yeah, you can automate pretty much everything. There's a couple of things you can't do, but... Uh... Yeah, you you can't you can't automate automate uh, like uh, what's it called the uh, you can't automate the teleported uh, the heat sinks in the oh yeah, uh, yeah you can't uh, you can't tell, you can't automate the actors itself no that's just what you have to do so heat sinks t- what what is what is that all about like do things generate heat and you have to bleed off the heat at certain I've not interacted with this C- certain devices uh, usually higher tier devices. Um, use uh, heat sinks to get rid of excess heat. Like the nuclear reactor uses them. Um, there's a cloaking device that uses them. There's a station shield that uses them. And they're basically a way for us to have a resource that's uh, depletable that you have to refresh every so often. Oh, okay. That's so you can't run your cloaking device indefinitely. You still need to be able to bleed off the heat. Otherwise, bad things Yes, exactly. Happen. Yep. Pretty much, yeah. Actors, for example, will just break down and you have to repair them if they don't have heat sinks and stuff inserted to them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, we do have plans so, so for a more complicated heat mechanic. It actually takes the entire heat of your entire ship into account, but that's... Um, Holy cats. It's only partially implemented. Holy <laughs> yeah. cats. So, so in theory, you could, with a large enough ship and large enough crew effectively have a a mobile factory. Yes. yes. I mean, literally, yeah. You could with just enough automation, enough heat sinks and 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 enough resources to get the thing kick started, it could effectively well, yeah, and the- manufacture everything it needs by itself. Yes. And there's also the the uh, one of the very high tiers um uh, equipment thinks there is a drone bay where you can construct your own drone uh it can have a mining laser or uh, it can have guns or cargo pods and you can give it um like objectives to complete you can say even hey uh go out there and mine this resource for me and it'll go out and mine it and come back or it can protect your ship it can uh 
set up a, like a trade route where it goes out and it tries to deliver resources to a specific station, stuff like that. So there, there's plenty of stuff to do if you get into the late game. <laughs> now, one thing I'll be honest I haven't toyed with is the editor, which is a big part of the game, but I'm terrible at building ships, so I didn't really play with it too much. But I did notice uh, on the workshop there are already hundreds of ships available. Um, yeah, there's uh, p- people have built ships for every like purpose that you might uh, need. Like if you want a miner or a, a fighter or a frigate or something like that, you can just go to the workshop and download it there. If you don't want to design them yourself, of course. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Spaz, did you see there is a Defiant in mm-hmm. there already? Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 huge fans of the uh, Defiant from D Space. Huge fans of the Defiant from D Space Nine. So it's, like, it's also one of my favorite Star Trek ships. Damn right! And so we I always. Prob- I do probably have a more a less popular opinion uh, though, because Voyager is my favorite uh, Star Trek series. Yeah, you're probably in the minority. Uh, yeah, I know. Though, I know. Though I admit, I have not seen all of Voyager, but. I will at some point, but I I noped out around the beginning of season two when it was still okay. On. Well, it gets better after season three, so really, no. I'll in say my, that, in my uh, opinion, I'll say that they had the weakest writing, mm. so I don't necessarily blame the actors for that. I, I'd say they had the weakest writing overall for Voyager, but I don't hate the series. I think it's just the weakest of them. Okay. Well, I mean, it's the first Star Trek series I watched, so it's... Oh, kind of... yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's I can, it's I can the, it's the nostalgia goggles. Yeah, that's pretty much. And a little, yeah, I can, I can certainly understand that. If that's what you started with. Like, I started with the original series and then watched the end yeah. of the series and then yep. next gen and from there on out. So yeah. <laughs> for me, there's, there's a little bit of a difference in the nostalgia factor. But I can certainly see how if that was your first, that's going to be what sticks with you. It's kind of funny how you say Voyager as the weakest writing, having seen the animated series. Because the animated series actually has really great writing in a lot of episodes. A lot of people forget that, but the animated series has some damn great episodes. Damn great. Well, I say I say overall, though, too. Yeah. There, yeah. there are some good things with Voyager that they did. And I'd say that a lot of the actors did an amazing job, but at the same time consistency in the writing because it was more episodic than say DS9 that had that uh, How did I would say they, they lacked consistency because they couldn't do that that long arc uh, that they had in DS9 which makes no sense because they're 70 years from home that you think the whole thing would be a long arc but I don't know sure but then they moved on you know then the next and, sector they're no longer where they were before yeah. so everything's fine ensign Kim is still an ensign always an ensign and <laughs> ensign for ensign forever poor Kim just never promoted ever poor Harry poor 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 Harry <laughs> I bet you there's a Voyager in there too. Is there a Voy- I haven't seen it, but is there a Voyager in there? In the uh, I believe somebody made a Voyager shell, but there's no actual functional ship. Oh, okay. Yeah, because your 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 editor is really detailed. Like it's almost an entire game in and of itself because there are multiple levels to building the ships. There's like like there are three. There are three levels, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Am I remembering? Uh there's 
Yeah, you, could, you you mean the modes, right? You have the interior mode where you yes, build the walls yes. and the rooms and stuff. Yes, yes, exactly. And then there's the modes. prop mode for interior, like like benches and captain's chairs and stuff like that. And then there's the exterior of your ship, which is a separate thing. Yeah, yes. yeah, which is kind of neat because a lot of pe- a lot of a lot of places, the um, the room editor and the prop editor, are the exact same thing, and and I like how you've separated that out. It, it, it helps you focus a bit, I think. Yeah, part of the editor was um, we were looking at like block building games, like um, um, Minecraft was big at, at the time when we started, and I think Space Engineers was just coming out on early access or something uh, like that. Yeah. Well, they weren't out before we started, but yeah, and we found that in those games, um, if you have combat with those ships where the blocks can break off, um, it it kind of breaks the design of the ship a lot of times. So those games are not really made to fight other things so one of the things we said was okay your ship has to be a a thing that cannot break up and it has to have a hull that's uh like one thing where you have a whole health bar so when you Uh do go into combat it's not an issue of oh no they actually like tore my ship in half and now nothing works anymore but oh these systems are broken i need to repair these systems and stuff like that yeah, we, we, we wanted like it, it to feel better. more, actually, more like Star Trek, where you you rarely see the entire ship being torn apart or anything. Like right. it's always, oh, these systems are overloaded. This system is broken, and then the, you just go and repair it. Yep, that's right. more. Of it. But you know, the overall look of the ship stays intact. That's kind of what we wanted to maintain. We we, we do kind of want to add like damage and stuff, but like you don't want like okay. Uh, the port nacelle is now completely separated from the ship, and well, we're screwed. Well, doing sliceables is kind of hard with with custom ships like that because you then have to decide how are you going to do the slicing. Exactly, and yeah, yeah, yeah works, that that can be very complicated. Yeah, it works for a pure two D game, like a lot of games that are just top down two D games, like Reassembly or Boss Constructor. Yeah, it's easy to slice bits off because they're just top down you know, graphics. But with a 3D game like this, I can only imagine how much more complicated that becomes. Yeah, yeah. there's also the thing that if your ship blows up and it's like a custom-built ship, it's not really fun to build it again. So <laughs> we just allow you to get the blueprint back or just repair the ship. Which yeah. is really uh, nice. So you don't... And, and for the editor, it's it's basically uh, The Sims, but for spaceships. That's kind of what our uh, thoughts going into it was. Like, we want you to build the ship like you build a house in The Sims, but then it's your spaceship. Oh, that makes sense. So with multiplayer, I have a couple of questions because I've not done multiplayer. Um, Can anyone run a server or are there just official servers? Like how does the server um, system work? Uh, We run two test servers, but those are just basically test servers for us to test things and performance issues and stuff like that. The idea is that just like with Minecraft or uh, other games, you you run your own server, so you set up your own community and stuff like that. And, and how many players can a server support at the moment? Uh, uh, at the moment, <laughs> not, not that many. <laughs> we were aiming for sixty-four players, uh, but uh, we've added so much things to the game that over time that number went down and down. So I, I believe it's between five and ten at the moment. Because uh, we have to simulate multiple systems and stuff like that, but we wanted to yeah. go back up to 
higher player counts. So that's what we're yeah. primarily working on at the moment. I mean, you're yeah. not an MMO. I mean, it makes sense to have like not a ton of people because there's so many, like you said, there's so many things going on. So many things going on in this game. Um, that I can't imagine you yeah, have. Like, we'd like to have, I think, somewhere in the like uh, around a 20, 20, somewhere between 20 and 30 uh, would be an ideal number, I think, at this point. Okay. Yeah, it's not as much. As an endpoint, do you mean? Yeah, the thing is, it's not as much uh, how much players can we support, it's how many star systems can we support. And the more players you have, the more they uh, tend to go out into different star systems. That's very true. Yeah. So very true. That's what so I'm would, would that be an instancing issue then? It's it's basically just an issue of oh my god, the CPU can't handle it anymore because you're running simulations on on everything. Okay. And as long as you do it in one star system, it's okay. But as as soon as you have multiple, it kind of linearly like stacks up. So <laughs> that makes sense. Sure. Can We're trying you, to bring that down. Can you limit, like, on a server, can you limit the amount of systems? Like, this server only has 10 systems. That's it. Yeah, can you can. Make... Okay, that's good. Uh, you, you, you can limit the light years. You can go away from the, the spawn area. Oh, that's okay. You can set. That's pretty cool. That way you keep things um, still flexible, but also usable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the thing is, people build up these systems. So all the, the system events, as we call them, are built around players going into a system and uh, for these different companies that we have built up stations for them and like expand out and you get like uh, new resources and stuff if you build those stations because they produce stuff. But so is, um, hmm? I was going to ask, Go is that, is that what the AI is doing as you're playing? They're like, we need, we see new business opportunities in this system. So we're going to build a new station and we need you to bring us the resources to build this station and we'll pay you. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's basically a, a system uh, where we um, check every so often and add new uh, events to the system, like build a station, defend this, scout this area. And then the AI itself is uh, the drones that fly around and stuff like that. They try to, uh, get the resources that the production stations need to build new things for you to buy in, in the stores and stuff like that. So if you, even in the starter systems, like uh, I, I believe you started at Hurlsko, if I'm correct, the, the mining faction. Yeah. Yeah. I know I started with the hauling faction. Oh, with the, yeah, with GT. Uh, then uh, the drones there will um, try to find good trades so that the stores are filled up and stuff like that. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I didn't even notice there were drones. I didn't even notice that. I just saw. I just remember like the turrets around the stations, but I don't remember drones. Are they just off doing their own thing? Like, oh uh, yeah, you, you, you can see them by the little lens flares if they warp around. Um, oh, and if they're close to a station, you can actually also see the drones, but they're very small in comparison to space. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so I've not done. I didn't know ships could do their own mining. Because um, I've only done it on the station. So is it like the same thing where you have like a bay where you go down, you have that uh, the screen where you choose the asteroid and you hoover it in and blah, blah. Is that the same just on a larger ship? Uh, yeah, the stations have the same equipment that you can build. And oh, as soon okay. as there's no player on board of that station, uh, if it's a generated station, so it's not built by a player like a custom ship, it will use that equipment to actually mine things and refine them and make them available for purchasing. 
Oh, wow. But, but I mean, uh, but you can also have a ship that you do that yourself. You go out to an asteroid field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can even uh, set up stores on your ship that the drones will come and purchase things from. Yep. Or other oh, really? players. Oh, really? Yep. So you can be like That's a cool. mobile. You can be like a mobile store, basically. If you yeah. want, yeah. Oh my god, that's <laughs> you never hear anyone doing that. That's great. Like you never hear a game that allows you to become the wandering merchant. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we've had players complain about the drones buying stuff because they use the stores to teleport resources from their ship to another ship by just purchasing them for like zero. But then the drones were like, hey, that's a good deal. We'll buy those resources from you. <laughs> so they came by and they just bought the entire stock. <laughs> but they're just doing their job. I mean, you can't be mad yeah. at them for doing their job. <laughs> it's the Ferengi thing to do. It really is. And another thing I really like about your game is the piloting. Um, we talked about the transit a bit, but I also want to talk about the ship piloting because, you know... In a game with so much going on, it's it's easy to mess one thing up. And piloting could be such an easy thing to mess up, you know. But every ship I've flown in your game, I've only flown, flown a few so far, but they just feel right. They feel sluggish. They feel, you know, like they, they take time to start and stop. And it's just really, like, it doesn't feel fully Newtonian. Is it fully Newtonian? It doesn't feel fully Newtonian, but... It it is in the background. We cheated a bit for the input. Oh, so okay. if you if you put the throttle on max and you cut the throttle, you would say like if it's fully Newtonium, I would should keep going, right? And that's what happens. Except we uh, give it some fake thrust from the other side to slow it down again, just to give you the, the like right. um, the Star Wars feel of flying a ship. No, that's that's so, totally fair. Yeah. It is Newtonian, but we cheat the values a bit uh, if you if you uh, loosen loosen up on the throttle and stuff like that. No, that's fair. Yeah. One of my uh, one of my favorite games is an old MMO called Jumpgate, where they also cheated with the uh, Newtonian physics. So it's like it's got mostly Newtonian physics, but there's drag for some reason. Uh, so you will slow down. Like what? Yeah. So yeah, it sounds yeah. So it's it's, it's not actual drag; it's just reverse thrusting. But you don't see that. But yeah, which is fair. I mean, you think in in space, you know, if you, the ship knows you want to slow down to a stop, it would help you with that. So that makes sense. From a even a yeah, lower... we feel like people have been asking for fully Newtonian uh, flight models, and it's something we can add. But we feel like it complicates the the just the it flying really of your does. ship to such it a really... degree. It really does. That's why there are honestly so few games with it, because it just makes it that much more complicated. Like what? There's the iWar games and Star Shatter. Uh, uh, yeah, what other games have full Newtonian? Uh, I think uh, Cribble Space Program might. Have. Oh well, yeah, of course, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also again, that's a fairly complicated game, and and you want you know you yeah. want access you want accessibility, you know. So, well, so, if if you don't put any thrusters or engines on your ship in our game, it's still just like a box of physics, and if you give it a little like punch, it'll just drift off forever. <laughs> yeah. Like if you if you're not careful, like you could bump uh like a a station or whatever 
um, to such a degree that it just goes faster than the maximum speed of the of a ship. So you'll never be able to catch it. Yeah, because oh. ships are arbitrarily limited to uh, like larger ships with lower movement speed yeah. and stuff like that, just to the, give them the, the feel fa- of. Yeah, the the fastest a ship in our game can go is five hundred meters per second. Uh, that is artificially limited, so we could actually balance them and actually have make combat a bit more functional. Because before yeah. we had unlimited, and like people were going like fourteen hundred meters per second, and there is one ship that like maybe can't that couldn't go faster than like one hundred and forty. So they have another ship that's ten times faster. It shoots, it flies off. It, the other ship won't be able to shoot back because it's you know it's already out of weapon range. So yeah, it's we had to artificially limit this so we could actually make these game make combat uh, well, more interesting. It makes sense because like if you don't, you have a game like was it Elite Frontier Two where you're just jousting and and flying a bit. You know, and and flying, you're just like zoom, 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 zoom. It's like that's not fun. No, <laughs> it's it's also a technical thing because physics engines they can't really handle a ship moving at ten kilometers a second just moving through an asteroid field. The asteroids don't even know what hits them. <laughs> oh, we have a question from Twitch. Um, can you make the UI smaller because it takes up so much of the screen? Oh, the flight yeah. UI, probably. There is a slider for that. Oh, really? In the options menu. Oh, but I believe like... you have to exit out of the game and go back into it to actually make it apply. It's one of oh. those... Oh, do you mean like the uh, the, tar- the targeting ring, like where the targets are on the ring around the center of the HUD? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, also all the icons in the flight HUD and stuff like that. If he's talking about the, the UI, like the, the mission UI and stuff like that, I'm not sure if there's a slider for that, but we should add it before we release the game. So, yeah. Yeah, you, you want to have like a bit of UI scaling, like, because I just upgraded to a 10, uh, for, I just upgraded to a 1440p monitor, which is wonderful, but mm-hmm. I, I can't play Distant Worlds Universe anymore, really, because the UI is just so small. <laughs> No, we've we've had people complain like I've got a 4K monitor and like your UI is all over the place, it's so big and or it's too small and we're like okay, it's just something you have to. When we started building the game in 2012, <laughs> 4K was not really a thing. So. Yeah, you just have to yeah. adapt as as new technologies become available. No, that's fair. I mean, so far I've had no issues with your UI. Actually, I love, I kind of love that targeting ring. In your UI, in the uh, flight UI, it's like this is what's around you. Point your ship to it and target it. That's great. It's it's, it's really great. Uh, the guy who was you asking. Know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go 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 ahead. I'm no, the guy who was asked. The, the guy who was asking about the UI has a thirty four forty by fourteen forty p monitor. That's I didn't know. Oh, that's that like was a widescreen monitor. That's a that's a crazy widescreen monitor. That's but. That's a weird. That's a weird resolution, isn't it? That's not a usual. Re- is that a usual resolution? Is that a normal one? Uh, it's, it's not one of the most common ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's it's like total super. That's like when you use a program to like split that wide that wide ass monitor into like three separate virtual monitors because it's just too big. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! Um, how big is but that no, monitor? That's just... Sorry. 
I'm, I'm asking the guy on Twitch. Uh, what yeah. Nash, Nash fan. Sorry, how big is that monitor? Like, how many inches are we talking about, buddy? Um, sorry, what were, we, what were we about to say? I was going to say that's just a part of the early access process. We still have to add some options here and there to make the game. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying playable on every, every resolution, but some things don't scale well yet and stuff like that. Sure. So. Well, that makes sense. Oh, 34 inches. Damn. That's, that's big. That's big. <laughs> I wanted to get a monitor that big, but I have a small desk, and so I did the measurement, and it's like I could barely put anything else on this desk if I got a 34-inch ultra-wide. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't be able to center it either because it it's a weird desk. There's a bookshelf on one side, so it's like it'd have to be – I'd have to be at, at, at an angle to look at the center of the monitor because it would be just that big. Just use the left half and then <laughs> disregard the rest. Oh God! Right, right. Oh my God! Like that's that's that sounds like an awesome monitor, dude. But uh, so, but yeah, it sounds like they're gonna do some UI scaling, buddy. So, uh, so keep an eye out for that. <laughs> yeah, the game should just work fine on every resolution, but some things might be bigger or smaller depending on, especially when you go into the widescreen uh, monitors. Because they have a weird aspect ratio, and that uh, right. some things are calculated on aspect ratio. So, well, well, whatever it's technical. But he's saying your game. He's saying your game looks pretty good on on his monitor. I think his only issue oh, is, with, is with the UI. <laughs> I mean, on, okay. on this on I, this monitor is a twenty seven inch, the one I'm using, and yeah, your game is really. I mean, it wasn't this pretty when it started, but you guys have made it really really pretty and there's a lot of graphical flourishes too that you've added like one of my favorite little things is when you have that repair gun and you have to re- uh reload it and so you have that whole ka-ching which is a great sound <laughs> that go ka-ching reloading uh animation which only takes like a second but it looks so great you're like yeah new ammo thank cling you, you know that's great thank you, you know? put a lot of effort into that <laughs> oh i really like that i really like that it. it's like yeah i've got a big drill kitching it's great <laughs> yeah it's, it's a custom game engine so we don't have all the new latest rendering techniques so we have to make up in like other areas where we just add more animations and, and stuff like that oh i was yeah. gonna i was gonna ask about that did you make yeah, this the engine? biggest thing we we have is uh like the biggest animation project we've had in the game is the uh, drone construction. Um, yeah, if, if you like uh, how it's made, then... Uh, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I'll have to figure out how to make some drones. Cause Where I, it completely I... constructs a drone. It's like a factory you can place on your ship. Yeah, oh, and then I'll like arms come out of the ceiling and it starts assembling it and you can walk around while it's doing that. And it's... So, it took so... a lot of effort, but uh, I think it's it's pretty... Uh, I think that's, that's one of the more unique animation things we have in a game. I also understand now why a lot of other big, uh, big name titles don't do that kind of animation because every time you want to add, like, I don't know, you want to, you want to balance stuff and like you add a new component to the, to the drone, you're going to have to like make a new animation that puts those objects onto the drone again. And it's a nightmare to manage. I can tell you that yep. much. Oh, jeez. Um, so, wait, which uh, is it? A engine you guys built, or which engine is this game Are we running coming on? out? I no? don't know. Hello. Can you hear me? No, we're still here. Okay. okay. 
Uh, sometimes it Discord means, gets just went silent. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Sometimes Discord gets funky, I especially can see the thing lighting up. But... Sometimes Discord gets yeah. funky, especially. Yeah. Can you guys not hear us? Yeah. Um, for some reason, we're not hearing Brian. Whoa! Can you what hear me now? Did he break his microphone? La 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 la. La 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 la. Press the wrong button. Oh no! No, I can I can see the, I can see he's lighting up, so he is talking. We just can't what hear him what? on Discord. Oh my god, yeah. that's weird. That is weird. I didn't do anything. He can probably hear us though. This is so weird. I don't know what's going on. Can you hear me? No, you can't hear me. Okay, one second. Um, what are we talking about? Just talking about the animations and flourishes and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. If if you have a la, la, la. custom game engine and you can't use uh all the all the effects in in what Unity offers or Unreal at the moment, we have to like uh, run with other things. So we try to make the graphics very clean and not have a lot of things in the way, like no post-process effects and stuff like that, because we just don't have them in the engine. So it's all down to uh, geometry and, and, and art, la, 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 basically. La, 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 Can you hear me? Can you hear me? La, 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 That's la, understandable. La, 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 la. Why can't... Hang on, I'll be right... Oh. <laughs> and we still can't hear Brian. Oh, no. He's obviously trying to speak. Can you hear me now? Oh, can you hear me now? 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 Yeah, we well, still cannot hear you, now. Brian, unfortunately. What is... How about now? It's probably a typical Discord thing where it suddenly yes. just gives up. Can you guys on the stream hear me? Can you guys hear me on the stream? Well, yeah. they, can, they can hear us on the stream. Can you can you and hear me on the stream? Brian can hear us. We just can't hear him. Can you hear me on the stream? Yeah, he's completely silent. Oh my god. <laughs> what the shit? Okay, hang on. What is happening? That's weird. It's very weird. It's it's very weird. Maybe we have to leave the room and come back? I guess we can try. Alright, okay. I'll give that a try. Hello? Nope. Still can't hear anything. Hey. Yeah, I can hear you guys just fine, but... Okay, apparently... Can you hear me now? Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay, apparently the folks on the uh, Twitch, the folks on the stream could hear me and all of us, but only you guys... Couldn't hear me. I don't know what happened. I switched servers on Discord. Um, and that fixed it. That seemed to fix it. I'm sorry. I, yeah. We have never had that happen. We have <laughs> never. We've had like people go robotic. We've had people get cut off. But we have never just had a person just get muted. Like, even though, yeah, I could see the I could see my thing light up. <laughs> and and you we guys could see could it see. and we, we could hear each other. We just could not hear you. So freaking weird. But hey, I guess server issue. Thank God. So I was going to ask, which engine are you using for this game? You said it was a custom engine. Is it one you built or is it something – is it a pre-built no, it's, one? No, it's, it's, it's one we built, yeah. It's oh, wow. It's from, from the ground up. Uh, 
basically built for this game to do stuff in it. Yeah. Um, we we used to uh, have even a, a different version of this engine, but that couldn't really like give us the speed to work with because it's just a, sp- a very small team, so we need to have very very fast iteration time. So we can't actually having a very small uh, engine is really useful in that regard. Yeah, it's not like but we that have means to wait like days or like half a day or whatever to uh, to see whether or not some code changes actually worked or whatever. Yeah, but one of the downsides, of course, is that you don't have all the tools available. So we're missing a lot of things that that newer engines have. Well, I mean, with a, I think it's understandable because your game has more going on than than other games. So, like, you're already out Star Citizen, Star Citizen, in a lot of ways. So, I mean. <laughs> And, but you, you use you. and and you're not even trying to use Crytek or whatever engine that isn't made for this sort of thing. <laughs> I'm no, just, yeah, I mean part of the reason is also because when we started out, there was no Unity or Unreal. I mean, there was Unity, but it wasn't right. as advanced as it is now, and Unreal was not publicly available. So that's true. I mean, we had we had UDK at the time. Uh, yes, but that was yeah. really rigid and not really meant to deal with. Oh. large uh, spaces and stuff like that. Because when you do a space game, you have to rework basically every engine to work with the distances and stuff that you're trying to do. I mean, even Star Citizen has to rework Lumberyard completely to do the things they're doing. So, oh, yeah. God. Anyway. <laughs> so um, you guys have been in early access for a while. How much longer do you envision you'll be in early access? Uh, we're hoping to release somewhere early next year. Oh, wow. So that'll be a... Uh, oh, 1.0 release. And, it's, it's, and, yeah, it's been... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say it's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. So but you guys have had a really good, and I've, I'm, I meant to bring this up earlier, you guys have had a really active and positive early access uh, period, from what I've seen at least, because you guys have been very open and transparent, lots of patch notes, lots of dev blogs. Uh, have you Have you found that early access has worked well for you? Uh, I'd, I'd say so. It's it's a game that lends itself very well for early access. It doesn't have a story or narrative that you can spoil. Oh, um, that's we a good point. Extra gameplay and stuff like that. I think the best early access games are always games that can offer something new every couple of weeks, so you can keep invested in them. And and these kind of games work very well. If you have a very like limited game where you, I'm not limited is the wrong word, but um, if you have like a platformer, platformer or something. Once you've played through the game once, all the changes that developers are going to make to improve the game are not really relevant anymore for you because you've already played the game. But uh, these kind of games offer new things every like couple of weeks, so it, it works really well. Also, you get the feedback on previous updates and stuff, and you can change things around. Right. So, so yeah, no, that's soon. No, that's great, because you're right, it has been a while. But um, but your game is competitively priced. It's not like super expensive like some other early access games, and uh, there's just so much to it, and yet everything is so effective and everything is so efficient, which is really impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Like, so impressive. Uh, we do need to start wrapping up, so I'll just say, folks, the game is Interstellar Rift. It is, well, today is the last day of the autumn sale, I think, right? 
Um, yeah, it's fifty percent off. So <laughs> right, right. As as we're recording this right now, it is fifty percent off. That means it's what ten dollars. I'm uh, not sure. Might be. Uh, let me Something see real quick. Along those lines. <laughs> real quick. Uh, should, it is nine dollars and forty nine cents. So roughly ten dollars. Um, yeah. but even at, even at its usual price of eighteen ninety nine, there that is a really that's that's impulse buy territory for at least me, and uh, so this is definitely a game to own. You guys, there's a lot here. I mean, if you want to edit ships, the editor is really impressive. If you want to just fly around ships, you got procedurally generated universes to fight or to mine or to haul or or all those things. Um, it's also it's a very pretty game. It's very clean, very futuristic. It's got a great UI. There's just a lot to li- a, a lot to like about this game. So you should definitely definitely check it out. So just a quick couple of quick notes before we wrap up. Um, this Thursday for our land party, we are returning to EDF. Very excited about that. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be the first time uh, we're playing EDF with my new uh, machine here. So. Uh, yeah. I'm very, I'm very yeah. excited and about that. I'm up to uh, mission ninety six, <laughs> so oh, we have I've unlocked that up. far. We have a lot yeah, to not do. that we're going to actually go that far, but no. hey, yeah, we, we have the option. We have the op- we know, We're still in the teens, right? We're still in the teens as far as mission go. Missions we, go. We've think, been right? bouncing around a bit, but yeah, because we're, we're not playing sequentially. We're just bouncing right. around as we go through, right. and. The whole goal of, of bouncing around that way is so that Brian actually has some further progress because it does seem to be affecting his online progress. It is. It totally so, is. Yeah, so whatever weapons he unlocks, he's got more stuff to play with. Yeah. I've got the stuff that I've unlocked, and it's been working out pretty well. By the way, folks, um, EDF, if you're not aware, had like a stealth price cut a couple of months ago. For the longest time, it was $50. And so you might have looked at it and go, oh, God, $50. That's that's way too much. But now it's only $20. Uh, normally, it's at $20. So I think even now on sale, it's a little cheaper. It is so worth $20, you guys, if you haven't bought it already. Just playing by yourself it, it, it is kaiju-stomping, bug-killing fun. Like, seriously, it's so much fun. And next week on the podcast, uh, we're back at our usual time at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time to talk to Chris Parr. Oh, uh, Nash over on Twitch. We're talking about Earth Defense Force 4.1, the shadow of new despair, shadow of the new yep. despair. I always get the I always mix the the up. It's shadow of the new despair, I believe, uh, which is great. And then next week, we're going to be welcoming back Chris Park of Arkin Games to talk to talk AI War Two, uh, which is real, which a lot of people are excited about because that AI War was their biggest game. It's still one of their, probably their most popular game. Still one of a lot of people consider one of the best space RTS games ever made. Um, so we're going to be talking about the uh, the f- much anticipated sequel. So that'll be fun. So folks, thank you so much for listening, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us, taking time out of your afternoon. Uh, to uh, join us to talk about Interstellar Rift. Um, You're very welcome. Yeah, we had a great time. Uh, except for the technical issues. <laughs> Don't know what <laughs> happened there, folks. Sorry. 
See, that was a really weird thing that's never happened before. Apologize about that. But, you know, when you do these live, you take risks like that, you know? Uh, yep. But um, everyone, thank you so much for watching. And if you haven't subscribed, please do so. Someone on YouTube says, I hope you reach 10,000K soon. <laughs> At the rate I'm going, it's going to be about three years until I reach 10,000 subscribers. It's a small channel. <laughs> but that's okay. It's very niche, very dedicated. So I'm fine with that. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time. Have a great one, folks. Bye-bye.